Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. This is the word of the Lord. You may please be seated. All right. Good morning. It's uh, great to be with you all this morning. Good to see you here. Um, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And uh, it's just, yeah, great to have you guys here and to be with you. Um, we have a bit of a different week this week. Um, we had, obviously, baptisms last week, as we just talked about. And then this week, we got a lot of, of our college students are all kind of out of town and different conferences and different things going on, um, which um, throughout the, the holiday season will kind of be the case, most likely. And it actually gives us a great opportunity to get to know um, some of our people that aren't in the maybe college demographic. And I just kind of like to take some time every so often to even just say, you know, if that's you, if you look around and you're like, this is a college church, I will emphatically say, as I always do, this is not a college church. And we're really, really glad you're here. And um, especially if you look around and you're like, I don't look like the majority of the people here. Well, really glad you're here because um, we, uh, we say that we exist for Jesus's glory and the good of Tucson. And so we want um, our, our, our congregation to reflect uh, Jesus in all of his glory and, and uh, the eclectic, um, diverse God that, that we that we serve. Um, amen. And so um, also if you're new, I want to uh, just give you a heads up that I have a speech impediment. So want to make sure that you know, um, you know, kind of well, what that is and you're not trying to figure it out as we go. Um, it's there. It'll kind of come in and out. I did kind of have a pretty, uh, I did live hard, if you know what I mean, the last couple days. Um, I, I went on a road trip with my mom to San Diego for about two days to see my older brother play in a concert with um, Mana. Some of you guys might have heard of that band. Um, he's been touring with them, and it was really cool. It's there. It's a spam. They're from Mexico. They sing in Spanish. Everything's in Spanish. So um, if you've never road tripped with your mom to go see a, 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 a band that's only playing in Spanish with your older brother um, playing in it who hardly speaks any Spanish, then you haven't lived. Okay? It's... Uh, so all that to say, I've had a lot of caffeine and been driving a lot, but um, really good to be together. Um, we're going to get into our sermon here pretty quickly. If you'll um, meet me in Matthew 7, um, as, as we just said, we're in, this is our last sermon in the Sermon on the Mount. And so um, verse, verse 24, if you have a Bible, turn there with me or an app or um, whatever it is. If you don't have a Bible with you, will you hold your hand up high and keep it up and somebody will get you a Bible? And um, if you don't own a Bible, you do now. This is our gift to you. Um, también, si necesitas la Biblia en español, uh, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, um, eso es nuestro regalo a usted. Um, this is our gift to you. I don't just say that after I go watch Mana, by the way. Every week. That's it. Um, I was tempted, though, to just keep it going after that. I was, 
I was pumped. Um, well, um, before we get into our sermon, I want to give a heads up. Jared had mentioned this again, but Advent season is coming up. And as he said, that means anticipation. And he, he already walked through what it means. And it'll be a great time now as we end our series, the Sermon on the Mount, and then get right into the Advent season, which the church has celebrated and, and acknowledged and, and anticipated the second coming of Jesus and remembered his first coming in the end anticipation that was there throughout all creation and awaiting God's promise. Well, now, you know, thousands of years after we still continue to observe that. And something that we do every year is um, we take up an Advent offering. And this is a special offering above and beyond our um, normal tithes and offerings. And if you're a part of Redemption Church and you call this your home church, we encourage every week um, us to give out of response to God's gracious um, gift and generosity generosity toward us. We give um, in response to him consistently and sacrificially and faithfully. And so um, during this Advent season, we give above and beyond that to um, to remember the global universal church and to, um, and to again respond and to, and to even help ourselves to enter into that anticipation of, of God's provision and to even be a part of it in different ways. So we say we're gospel-centered and outward-focused. And so what that means is that um, we, as has been said, we live out the gospel um, outwardly. All of life is all for Jesus. And so specifically with this Advent offering, we'll give some more um, description of it next week. But um, we, we kind of break it down into three ways, close, near, and far. And um, just a quick heads up on that, what that is, is is close is here, our partnership with this school, with Safford School. 90 plus percent of the kids who go here are on free or reduced lunch. There are a lot of needs here, especially during the holiday season. So we um, take up... Um, part of that offering to go toward our partnership here with the school where we meet. Um, And then near is um, foster care and adoption. We're getting involved with that. David and Hannah Poole um, are helping to lead in that that effort and we're um, growing as our church in our outward focus with regard to foster care and adoption um, ministry. So um, some of that offering will go toward that. And then thirdly, far, okay, close, near, far, is um, we're, we're building, this is kind of the first time it's been said, but we're building a partnership with a ministry in Guatemala um, that we're going to be talking a lot about and especially coming up um, toward the summer where we'll actually send a team of people to go and partner there with some kids and we'll tell you a lot of stories about that. Really excited, but that'll be, again, part of that um, offering will go toward that, okay? Um, So with that, let me get into it. Let's pray. Um, And I say all that about the Advent offering so you can be thinking about praying about how God would lead you um, to to be a part of it. Okay, Pray about it as a family. Talk about it, about what God might be calling you to to give um, in that way. Amen? All right, let's let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this morning together. Um, thank you for your words, Jesus, that we've gotten to sit under for, um, for so many weeks now, Lord, for three months to just be in the red, if you will, to be reading the words of Jesus week in and week out. And now as we transition into the Advent season coming up next week, um, we pray that we would not just kind of flip into the next series, but Lord, we trust that you've been shaping us and even building up and leading to this day specifically, in this text specifically, um, Lord, would you prepare us? Even now, we ask that the Holy Spirit would 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 descend on this place and would would open our hearts and our eyes and our ears to respond to you. 
Um, Lord, if there are those who are here who have been here throughout the whole series who don't know you, who have been hearing your words, Lord Jesus, and not yet responded in faith, um, I pray that, Lord, even this day, that you would bring them to a place of uh, faith and responding uh, in trust in you. And so we thank you. We're excited for this time. And we, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said, this is the last of this series. Oh, you can, you can go there with me. Yeah, I, um, you know, when we started this series as a church, as Redemption Church as a whole, we talked about, like, it seems like God has us in this particular section of Scripture for, a, for really for a, a purpose. And we didn't anticipate at that time, like, like seven or eight months ago when we decided that, um, we didn't know where we would be, what the political landscape or social and cultural landscape um, would be. And so it's really been fitting. I just want to encourage us to acknowledge these things don't just happen by accident, but to sit under this this sermon of Jesus's and to talk about what it means to be his people and how that informs how we relate with one another. Is, uh, has been nothing other than God's divine oversight to really lead us through through his word together in this time. And, and um, as we build up to this now, he's really been bringing us to a point where now today we're brought before a, a choice. Where really Jesus, Jesus lays out, again, two different types of people. And you've seen that all throughout. But today he comes to a point and he talks about someone who built their house on, on a rock and someone who built their house on, a, on sand. And then it ends pretty abruptly. And it's kind of bringing us to a point of saying, Where, which are you? All right, and we're used to making choices, okay? We all make choices every day. Some of us like to think we're like really kind of laissez-faire and we just take it as it comes, but we all make choices, whatever it might be, right? Coke or Pepsi, you know, um, you know do I like pumpkin? Am I going to enter into this pumpkin obsession and frantic frenzy that everything is pumpkin right now for like four months and then, um, or not, you know? Some of you hate it. Some of you love it. Or I think most importantly, do I start preparing for this Christmas season um, in, you know, September, like, like Home Depot and other, you know, places do? Or do I rightly wait until Thanksgiving and then, sorry, I just used my platform here for, I don't, I shouldn't do that. Just, but still, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those like, okay, set the table, get it ready, Thanksgiving, party, eat. Next day, work it off by hanging stuff up and go, go after it day after Thanksgiving. That's my, my, uh, my little loving encouragement and shaming. To, no, not really. But Jesus brings us to a point today of this very serious choice of what is your life built upon And this isn't just a choice that's in there. I just kind of joked about some other things. But this is like the choice that we've all got to ask ourselves. And and let me just say, too, this language that's used here, right? A a house. Okay, the house is your life, your, your hope, your faith, your perspective. This house is everything. And the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the foundation that he's talking about, rock or sand, is what you, is what you build that upon. It's where is your hope, where is your life, where is your faith built upon? And, and there's, we all have it built on something. 
Okay, again, some of us like to think, no, I just, I don't believe in a God or, you know, God doesn't have anything to do with everyday life and, you know, whatever, or, or um, I don't have a faith. Or as even Stephen said at the beginning at our call to worship, we've all been worshiping something. And some of us like to say, oh, I don't worship anything. No, you do. We all worship something. We all worship, um, be, apart from God's intervention, we all worship ourselves, and our experiences, and our, and our pleasures, and our, and our own image, and our own identity, and our own plans, and all these different things. And we all build our lives on something. Okay, that's a given. That's a massive assumption I am making that I will, I will just invite anyone to challenge um, that we all build our lives on something. We're, we're all saying, I'm living for this purpose. I'm, 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 I'm trusting these, these foundational things and then everything else about my life goes from there. That's just, that's just true, okay? And, and so now Jesus is saying, so, so evaluate. It, look, look near and say, what am I building my life, my, my hope, my purpose, my faith upon? It's on something, and as he's been building up here, um, th- just remember that this whole sermon, all right, as we, we just now, as we kind of turn a corner and we end this sermon, remember that it began like three chapters ago and, and that it came after something else. And, the, and so right before in chapter 4, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has been, has been saying some things. He's been building up. And in chapter 4, the two places where you see, you can turn with me if you want. I don't have it. But... um. I don't have it up there, but Jesus only speaks a few times in chapter 4. It's kind of building up, but he says a couple things. In verse 17, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, that word repent means, means, means to, to turn. It's like a 180. You've been going this way, and again, the, the assumption that he's saying, okay, are you too tracking with me, is that you've been living for a particular kingdom. Whether or not we acknowledge it, um, apart from God's intervention, we are all living for the kingdom of this world, which is, again, built on me. It's, 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 it's built on not God. No thanks, God. I don't want you to define my identity, my purpose. My relationship with you is not going to inform my relationship with others. And so that's, that's the kingdom of this world and all its systems and structures and so he's saying, repent, turn from that world, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to restore what has been broken. That though we all have turned away and gone our own way, Jesus came to restore what has been broken. And he's bringing his kingdom. And his kingdom is the way the world ought to be. It's, it's, it's the way we relate with each other, the way we work, the way we play, the way we think, the way we dream. Everything that we do, the way all of life is worshipful. And so Jesus is saying, I'm coming to restore you to a life of rightful worship in line with your relationship with your creator who you have separated from and need to be restored to. And then another place where Jesus says down in verse 19, back in chapter 4, just given some buildup here and some context, he says, follow me. He's calling his disciples together. And he goes up to one of his most famous uh, disciples, Peter, and his brother Andrew. And he says, follow me. Follow me. Jesus is calling us, bringing us to a point here of a choice. Where he says, follow me. Repent. Believe. Turn your life to him. Entrust your life to him. Follow him. And then right after that, it says he, he sat down and his disciples all came to him. 
not just the 12, but many, okay, religious people, skeptics, all kinds of different people came to him and he began to preach. He opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for, the, um, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's way back, right? That's three months ago. And so now that's what he's been doing, okay? Repent and believe. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come, follow me. And then he goes into this three-chapter-long discourse on what it means to follow him. And he's been building up to this point here where we are today. Again, saying you have a very, very serious choice. Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to turn from the kingdom that you and I naturally follow, whether we acknowledge it or not? Or are you going to turn and follow him? Or are you going to say, no, no thanks? Are you going to continue to build your life on a foundation that you can lay or on the one that he has laid? And so where we're headed today is as we wrap this all up, we're going to make some sense of it. And we're actually going to walk back through the entire Sermon on the Mount, okay? So get ready. It's going to be like three hours. No, we're, we're just, we're going to go through it pretty quickly. So if this is your first time here, you've never heard of the Sermon on the Mount. It's basically someone, Jesus, preaching a sermon on a mountain. Um, so that's what it is. And we're going to walk through it. So if this is your first time, you're, you're in luck. Okay, we're going to go through it all. You didn't miss anything. All these other suckers just wasted like three months of their lives by here. Because you get it all at once. No, that's not true. It's been really shaping and really helpful. But we're going to take a little flyby again to help connect all the dots to where we are right now at this moment in this choice. Where again, I'm asking you, inviting you, okay, lean in and consider how do you respond to Jesus who's saying, follow me. Build your life on the firm foundation that he has laid and that he has described. Or consider, will you continue to build your life, your hope, your faith, on the foundation that you can lay. And consider how secure is it. So with that, let's, uh, let's pick up here and read in verse 24 and 27 again. And so again, Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then jumping down in verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And so he lays this again. He lays this out. He lays out, you know, th this is what it looks like to choose this way. To hear the words of Jesus and not to do them. It's like building your house on sand. And then he lays out, but this is what it looks like to hear the words of Jesus and do them. It's like building your house on the rock. And he lays this out. And there are some similarities and some differences that I just want to want to point out as we walk through because um, sometimes we just assume, oh, okay, just kind of go through it, all right. It's, but no, there are a lot of similarities here. All right, one is this. They both hear Okay, everyone hears the words of Jesus. Okay, so I know that, that some of us here today have come, we assume, oh, I'm here, I'm at church, right? I, I'm hearing it, I'm good. But no, Jesus says something that maybe is not very comfortable to us. He says that one, the one whose house stands, hears the words of Jesus and does them. Does something with them. Lives it out. Okay, so being here isn't enough. 
All right. I just want to tell you, like, too often in our in our in our world, in our country today, in kind of cultural Christianity, we've got just show up, you know, come to church, do your thing, check the box that says Christian when you're, you know, checking into school or voting or whatever. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Whatever. No. Okay, Jesus is, I hope, blowing up our perspective of Christian. And I'll just say, over the last couple months, this may or may not be very popular, I kind of want to do away with the phrase evangelical Christian. Because it has become meaning something very different than Jesus saying, come and follow me. Come and live your life in accordance with your relationship with me. Do, live, be, relate in such a way that comes from your relationship with me. And we just embrace this term evangelical Christian and just say it can mean whatever we want it to mean. And so Jesus says, no, no, no. The one who hears and does not do is like the one who builds his house on the sand. And then this one we're going to come back to, but if you notice here, this is really important. Um, who does the, the, the rain fall and the floods come and the wind blow to? Which one? Who? Both, both, that's really important here. Both endure this kind of thing. Both endure flood and rain and, 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 and wind. And then, but, but one is called foolish and one is called wise, all right? Jesus does use these kind of divisive phrases here, right? He says, this, this person is foolish, this person is wise. Obviously, the foundation is different, right? Like, maybe from afar, both look like, yeah, it's a house. That's, yeah, it looks the same. But the foundation is very different. Sand and rock is very different. And one house fell and the other stood. And so, as we evaluate that, that sand house, I just want to encourage you, okay? And if you are not really picking up here, this, this is a m- metaphor, okay? Anyone here that went to ASU didn't pick that up. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it's rivalry week, right? We're about to play them. I gotta, it's, it's been a while. I haven't, I haven't said that in at least like a week and a half or two. <laughs> but the sand, what does that mean? What does it look like to build your house on sand? What does it look like to build your hope, your life, your purpose, your identity, your faith, your trust on sand? It could, again, for early on, it could look like, yeah, that's a strong house. It's pretty. Everything looks good on the outside. You know, it could, in a non-religious context, if you will, it could mean this. You know, everything looks good. That, that couple's got it all together. They're, it's so happy. I just performed a wedding. I've performed a lot of different weddings over the years. And, um, and you see when it's like, this is beautiful, when it's all about that day and the wedding and all these things are, oh, this couple's so in love. And I try to kind of, I try to be a buzzkill, by the way, when I officiate weddings. So I've had a lot. So this might be my way of kind of working myself out of doing a number of weddings. But you're like, don't ask him to officiate my wedding because um, I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? Really? Like right now? No, I, I'm not. But I do like bring a dose of reality because I, can I get some head nods from those of us who have been married for more than a week? Like, <laughs> it's, it's difficult. There's hardship that comes. It's not all, man, it's like no one said, hey, you know what? Because we had the perfect table, you know, decorations 
um, I just, our marriage is secure. Like, because, because we had swans at our wedding, I don't care what you look like in the morning 20 years later, it's good because our swans were there. Like, or, you know, it's like, but that's how it gets treated. You know, I don't care that you're being really selfish or that we be, we're being tried right now. And the same is true in your relationship with God. That we think, oh, everything's good right now. Everything right now in this moment is set, it's secure, it's all hunky-dory. Or, or, or in a religious context, I prayed a prayer one time. Like I built a house. Again, both, both people here built a house. I have a faith. Yeah, it's, you know, it's doing something. Yeah, I prayed then. Once I get older and have kids one day, then I'll start to take this stuff seriously. I'll start to take Jesus seriously. I mean, I, again, I prayed then. I went through confirmation or catechism or whatever it might be. And, you know, I've kind of put that on hold. You know, i got to live a little, do my thing. And then one day I'll, I'll be good. I'll be set. Like I'll, I'll get back into this whole religion thing. And No, Jesus is saying, listen, it's like consider the foundation of your life. What have you built it upon? Because a a storm is coming. And I just want to be abundantly real with with all of us here this morning. That that some of us build a house and think, hey, I haven't experienced any hardship. Or even some will think, because I have a faith, because because I have a trust in Jesus, I will never endure any kind of hardship. And then when it does come, and perhaps you put your faith in something altogether unbiblical, that Jesus is not saying you'll never have hardship, or the prosperity gospel, the prosperity lie, that is, oh, if you build a house, then, then you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll never have difficulty. Rains will never come. Wind will never blow. Your foundation will never be challenged. And then all of a sudden when it comes, you're like, what the hell? I didn't sign up for this. I didn't expect this. And where are you, God? I, I thought I, I built my house on the foundation on the rock. What's going on now? And, and so, so your foundation is challenged and, 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 and is brought to a point where you consider what? Because that's all I've got to hold on to right now is what? what my life is built upon. So, so if, if your life is built upon anything other than, okay, look at me, anything other than Jesus and his accomplished work and his promises to you. His, his coming and living the life that we were created to live. His perfect life. The kingdom life. Okay, connecting all these dots here. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus bringing the very kingdom of God. Bringing restoration for how life is to be lived. Jesus walking through trial and difficulty. Just like you and me. One that we can relate with. One who has empathy for his followers. And then one who laid down his life on the cross and died to endure. The, the life that you and I deserve and the death that you and I have called upon ourselves and cried out on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? God, why have you turned away from me? And that Jesus did that so that you and I can say, Father, Daddy, uh, I, I, I need you. So we can cry out to him in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Lord's prayer, our Father, who is in heaven, Jesus experienced rejection so that you and I can experience acceptance. And then Jesus rose from the dead. Again, we, we acknowledge that and observe that every week when we respond in the assurance of grace, just as Jesus rose from the dead, we too, though we deserve to be groveling at the feet of judgment, 
before the throne of judgment at the feet of, 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 of Jesus. And that's we deserve to stay in that place because he rose from the dead. He said, now in me, through me, built upon the foundation that he has laid, we can now stand. We can now rise. We can now come before God the Father with hope. And if your life is built upon anything other than that, no scratch that, anything other than him, it will fall. And you might be in a place right now where you're like, I don't get, I don't really feel that. In love, okay, which by the way, you can say in love and then say the worst thing after, right? We sometimes treat it like that. It's like with all due respect. Hey, with all due respect, I'm about to utterly disrespect you. Okay, that's what it means. Well, in love, in love, I'm about to just be super unloving. But no, genuinely, because I love you, my prayer for you, for us, this is a scary prayer, is if if unless we're in a place where we are, we are clinging to the rock, clinging to Jesus, if we're in a place ever of being tempted to think, I don't really think I need Jesus, my life's pretty good right now, man, my prayer is that the winds and the flood and the rains will come heavily. My, my prayer is that God will wreck us in order to bring us to himself to bring us to a place where we cling to him and acknowledge, apart from you, I have no hope. My house will fall. If we're in any place of arrogance, of wandering away, of thinking, oh, I've got this. Anyone here is, who is familiar with an, with, an, with an addict's life, the life of addiction, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, anything like that. A lot of members of my family have been through that. I've gone to AA meetings and a number of times. And, um, and you, you see that there's this, you know, you've got to constantly stay soberly aware of, of, your, of where you are. That, 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 that you can think one day, hey, I think I've got this thing kicked. I can have a beer now. My, one of my older brothers tells the story that at a Super Bowl party, okay, whenever that is in, you know, January, he was like, I think I've got this thing licked, you know, and he, and he drank a little and was like, all right, I'm going to kind of keep this under control. Well, a year later at a Super Bowl party, party he talks about stumbling out the door knocking over like an irreplaceable heirloom at someone's house and just being right back there at rock bottom and he tells that story too to the the different people that he sponsors to say listen you've got to be aware that you have a nanosecond capacity to be in control um, the, I, I heard a story as we were preparing for this whole Sermon on the Mount. Every time that we do a church um, series, that we go through a whole series, we bring in a different scholar. We did this with the book of Judges and, and then again with the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to do it um, again. We did it for... Um, Titus, we're doing it with the book of Acts. We're having a, uh, a New Testament scholar come in and teach us through kind of a one day, kind of in a nutshell, all all heavy in-depth on the book of Acts. And it's incredible time. Well, we did that with this, the Sermon on the Mount. We had um, a guy named John Telhusay. Um, some of you may have heard of him. He teaches New Testament and, uh, and the biblical languages up at Phoenix Seminary. And he told a story while he was kind of teaching through this that I think is, was incredibly helpful. His, his in-laws bought a house in Crescott which I've learned. How many of you are from Prescott? Anyone? Or how many of you have been to Prescott? Okay, a lot of you. 
You have to say Prescott, by the way. They'll run you out of town if you say Prescott, even though it's how it looks like it should be said. Well, Prescott, okay, his in-laws bought a a house in Prescott. They bought a a plot of land and they were going to build a house there. Okay, and so they bought this expensive land and they were already this perfect view and all this stuff and they bought it. And then before they built, say they'd, they'd already bought it, it's in the bank, whatever, it's done. And then they go to build the house and a surveyor comes out and says, uh, you've got a bunch of clay here. This whole house, if you build it right here without some work being done first, it will, it will not stand, it will not last and they were like, well, it seems pretty, you know, fine to me. It seems pretty sturdy. We bought it. We had inspectors come out, all this stuff. And they're like, look, I'm really sorry. But in fact, they're, the contractors are like, we won't even build a house on top of this unless you, you fix it. And it's going to cost you $15,000 just to, like, d- d- deal with the dirt. And, I mean, some of us are like, man, I don't know. what I would then just put up a tent and live in that and be fine or but these guys made the decision. They're like, okay. And they, they got all, they, I mean, how discouraging, right? Like, I feel that way when my car breaks down. I'm like, I'm paying this much for, like, car stuff. Like, this is so discouraging. Like an alternator. Nothing was ever more discouraging than, you know, shelling over a few hundred dollars for an alternator. And you're just, well, in this case, I mean, how discouraging to, like, just to get the dirt fixed. You've got to pay $15,000. Well, they do it. They build their house. Well, their neighbor across the way heard the same stuff and decided, you know what, it seems good, it seems fine, and they built their house. This is a true story, okay? This isn't like pastor, which, by the way, I never do that. I never throw out fake illustrations. If you've ever heard that pastors do that, it's ridiculous. This is a real story, okay? Um, And their neighbor built their house. And sure enough, things started to shift over time, you know. Prescott gets crazy weather systems and stuff like that. And they're there and they build their house and they start to notice cracks start to come, all this stuff. And they're like, man, okay, I guess we, we have to fix this. Well, they call out a surveyor again. They call out a contractor. And guess how much it costs them to save their house? $250,000. That is unheard of. Can you, but because they have the option then, to build their house and to fix the foundation and to secure it and pay $15,000 and chose not to do it. They now had a bill of $250,000. And so the other couple just sat there drinking lemonade, making fun of them. No, I don't think, but how, I mean, how sad, but how, what a, what a clear picture. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. A lot of us, my, I think one of our biggest dangers in our culture right now, the um, um, American dream, if you will, is we can get really, really lulled to sleep. We can just think, God, everything's good. Everything's going well. And this message that Jesus is, is preaching here, the sermon is not a, is not a um, doomsday. Doomsday is coming. So, you know, get, just put your faith in me and I will zap you up into heaven one day. And it, No, again, he's saying, listen, life as it's meant to live is only found in him. 
And you can be lulled to sleep into thinking, yeah, I think my life's pretty good right now. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's not. Your lenses are distorted. You're, you're, seeing, you're seeing unclearly. You're, you're, you're tricked right now. You're thinking everything's good, but listen to me, it's not. What you're putting your identity in, your purpose, what your hope is in, your, your life, your, your faith, the foundation is not secure and it will not satisfy you. So put your trust in him. And this is the life that he's been calling us to throughout this entire sermon. This is, and, and remember that in very back in chapter 5 where he, he goes through what are called the Beatitudes. He's saying, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And we're like, what? That's not blessed. And we hear that word blessed because it's a really churchy word. But that means the good life. All right, that the good life. This is whatever you whatever you're doing right now, whatever good endeavor you have taken on. You're going to college, you're you've you've taken a new job, you're you're trying to do this, you're you're having a midlife crisis and you think once I get to this point then I'll have the good life. Once I do this, once I get this motorcycle, I'll be set. My I'll look young again and feel good again. Right? I'm a little bit preaching to me. I just turned 37. So, you guys know I'm right there. But um Whatever it is, it's the good life Jesus is talking about. The good life. The blessed life. And he says all these things that are completely counterintuitive to you and me. But he's saying, no, this is the life that you're called to live. This is the kingdom life. And then he goes on and he, as he preaches through this entire thing, in that, this entire sermon, th this good life he unpacks. Each week builds upon another. Again, that first week was the good life and it's the upside down life. And he's challenging you and me to acknowledge, look, whatever you think is where your, your satisfaction will be found, it, it won't be. And, and he breaks through all these things and says, come, come to him, repent and believe turn toward him, follow him. And then he goes on and just walking through these, these 13 weeks here, and I'm going to go quickly. If you're taking notes, you can just jot these down, or I don't have them up here on the screen or anything. But the next week he talked about salt and light, right? And he says, my people, again, come and follow me, and I will, I, you will be salt and light. Your mission and your purpose will be none, nothing less than to reflect Almighty God. And to, and to be a shining light, to, to reveal him to the world around you. And then in the next section in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through, through 20, Jesus says, Don't think I came to abolish the law or the prophets, but, to, but I came to fulfill them. And this is, again, Jesus saying, I've come to, to fulfill um, all of the promises and requirements of the entire Bible are found in him. Jesus is showing that and he's revealing that. And then he goes on and then remember, this was the super long section in Matthew 5, 21 through 48. And you can be kind of turning along with me here as I jot, as I kind of roll through these. But this was that long section where he says, you have heard that it was said, dot, 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 but I say to you, You've heard that it was said, and he goes through all kinds of different things, lust and making promises and divorce. And he's saying, you have lowered it. You have, okay, look at me, Christian, okay? All of us in here that would name the name, that would say, I'm a Christian. He's talking to religious people here, and he's saying, you think it, you have settled it. You have settled for such a, a ridiculously attainable life that you think that if you've heard do these couple things and you're set. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. 
It is so much bigger than that. I have come to call you into so much greater of a life than that. You've heard it was said this way, but put your faith in me, Jesus says, and this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to walk through persecution. This is what it looks like to deal with lust, to radically fight sin. This is what it looks like to look at divorce, not this divorce culture that we're in, oh, we'll separate and we'll get it. We'll each be happy now. We'll each do our own thing. Jesus is like, no, no, no. Um, God hates divorce. If you divorce your spouse, except on the grounds that have been laid out um, in, the, in the scriptures, then, then you are committing adultery with your wife or you are causing her to commit adultery. And all it's, uh, Jesus is just, just pressing in here to all of our really comfortable, really neat religious structures. And then he goes on. In chapter 6, he talks about the, the father. That entire chapter is built upon the, the, the idea of father. And that these aren't just rules that we try harder and do better and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And, okay, don't lust, don't, don't tell lies, don't take oaths, don't divorce, don't murder, don't be angry. All these different things in your own effort. But he says, no, 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 built upon your relationship with your father who sent Jesus to restore you and me as his children. And he, and he says, no, the Father, the Heavenly Father, rewards and recognizes his children. And then in the next, in the next section there, we saw the Lord's Prayer in chapter 6, verses 7 through 15, where we see what it looks like to, again, just like Jesus, who goes before the Heavenly Father, says, now come with me and say, our Father in heaven. And call for God's provision and rule and reign to, to define and inform our lives individually and corporately. And then he continues on and, and he says, don't treasure these things that are so fleeting in life that, that moth and rust could destroy, that thieves could, 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 could break in and steal. He says, don't treasure those things. And then in the next section, verses 25 through 34 of chapter 6, he says, don't worry about these things. God knows what you need and he'll provide for you. Don't treasure these things. Don't put all your hope in these things. And don't worry about them. And then he goes on in chapter 7. He kind of turns up the heat now. And he says, this isn't just a, a flippant choice, like I said earlier. This isn't Coke or Pepsi or pumpkin or not or, you know, that kind of. He's like, he's like no, this, he turns up the heat and says, no, this is a matter of eternal life and death. And in the beginning of chapter 7, he says, your life right now is defined by what came before, God's plan, God's purposes, the creation, God saying, let us make man in our image, the creation mandate, God having, God having authority over every aspect of your life, and then also the final day. Remember the beginning and the end, from creation to final judgment. Jesus saying the, the whole deal comes to this moment right now, to what you do with him. And then he goes on in the next section, and he, and he says, now ask and seek and knock, because God provides God provides for his, his, his children. And then he goes on, and, and then remember just a few weeks ago, we talked about the, the roads that we're all on. The, the narrow and difficult road that leads to life and the really wide and really easy road that leads to death. And Jesus had said, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The, the way, the road that he has called us on is narrow and difficult. There's no false sense of ease here. But Jesus says, but I'm with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Do you love how real Jesus is? Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is real. He's real. Not just that he really lived and died and rose from the dead, which he did. But hear me, look at me right now. Whatever you're going through, though sometimes we are afraid to acknowledge it here, sexual identity difficulty and questioning and conversation, the church is like, I don't, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to have one brother share with another brother in a, in a, in a, in a prayer context that he has same-sex attraction. I don't, want, I don't want this person to share with this person that they have such hurt and pain that they cut or have an eating disorder. Uh, we don't do, oh, this is church. This is comfortable. This is safe. Jesus is real. Oh, your marriage is difficult right now? Well, well, uh, sorry, I don't know what to do with that. I thought we were just going to talk about sports right now. No, no. Jesus is real. And he cares about real life. Jesus comes to bring real heart transformation that shows up in real everyday life. And that's the good news that he loves you and me too much to, to allow us to just continue on and dismiss, to just play church. And so he continues, he picks it up. And then last week, remember, he talked about false prophecy and false profession. He's saying, this narrow and difficult road that I'm calling you on, stay alert, stay awake, Christian, wake up. Because you're going to hear false teaching that your ears are itching for. And you're like, oh, that sounds much easier. I'm going that way. Oh, this, I just thought this was, I thought church was just kind of give me, you know, one, two, three, ABC. And I can do my thing and go on and life is easy now. And man, this is really hard. And Jesus says, yeah, it is. And beware of false teaching and false prophecy that will teach you anything other than Jesus. Through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. And he says, and beware of making false professions. Beware of, of just saying, yeah, I prayed a prayer. And yeah, I, I'm, do, I'm at church. I'm doing it. He says, no. Because you might stand before him one day and he says, depart from me. Workers of lawlessness, I never knew you. And then this week, in our last sermon on the mount here, our last section here together, Jesus again brings us to the point of acknowledging all of this and saying, you're all building your life on something. A foundation that is the rock, that is Jesus, or the foundation that is anything else that is unstable. And what's the qualifier? He who hears these words of mine and does them. Does them. We don't like to talk about that in our Reformed Protestant circles a lot of time. Wait, I thought Jesus just said, just sit there and put your faith and just... Just say a prayer and then there's nothing to do from there. Yes, it is, again, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay, that's, that's, that's the Martin Luther mantra, by the way. Okay, so I am not saying it's anything less than that. Yes, it is. Your, your, your hope is built on nothing less than, than Jesus' blood and righteousness and his, his love poured out for you on the cross. And you can do nothing to be restored in your relationship with God that you have turned away from than put your trust in him. But Jesus says from there, 
Now I've won you into something. I didn't just save you from hell. I've called you into life. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now come and live the life that he has called you into. And so he says, listen, you will know whether or not your life is truly, rightly, authentically built upon him if you hear and do, if your life reflects everything I just walked through, Look at me, he does not, don't go there. Don't say I'm saying something that I'm not. He doesn't say do all this stuff and then God will accept you and then God will be happy with you and then God will say, oh, I do know you, welcome. I, I, I am well pleased with you. It's, he doesn't say that, but he does say, if you trust in him, if he is the foundation upon which your entire life is built, then you will do these things. And what does that look like? As we close, John chapter 13, a cross reference here. In this similar section where Jesus is walking through these things. It says here in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you. The, the new commandment of the kingdom of heaven that is at hand. He says that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love. Just as I have loved you, okay? First action, first cause. Jesus loves you and you respond to his love and then he sends his Holy Spirit that now empowers you and me to live a life of what? A life of what? If you love. Say it with me. Say love. We, again, evangelical Christianity right now is, in often cases, not defined by love. I, we could be accused of all kinds of things, but it has got to come back to love. Like dismissive love, love that pretends there's no wrong. No. And we get so worried that we're like, well, I don't want anyone to, to think there's no truth or there's no, no, no. Okay, Jesus isn't afraid to say these kinds of things, to call out, to call us to this life of, 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 of surrender, this hard life, this narrow and difficult way. And yet he also says it is a life defined by love. God shows his love for us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Jesus ends. He drops the mic. It ended, with, uh, it ended with, and anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand and the rains fell and the floods came and the wind blew on it and great was the fall of it. Again, the rains fall and the floods came and the winds blow on all of us. No matter what your, your faith is built upon, no matter what your house is built upon, you're going to endure hardship, your, your life, your hope, your faith is going to be challenged. And this language that is used is not just the difficulties in life, but also one of judgment. And Jesus is saying, whatever it is, you will, you will come to a place, no matter how easy your life may be or how difficult it might be, wherever you are, you're all going to come to a place where the foundation will be challenged. And the choice that he calls us to right now is will you build your life on him, on the rock, on the security of Jesus, or is it built on anything else that I promise you 
will at some point prove to be unstable and come crashing down. And this is good news. I know this is like, whoa, this is hard, this is intense, but Jesus again said, good news, the kingdom is at hand. Good news, Jesus is on display. Good news, Jesus has finally arrived. Good news, now turn and follow. Repent and believe. And so I just want to ask us as we prepare to respond here, on what is your house built? On what is your life and your hope and your faith built? Are you responding to him? Are you following? Are you believing? Are you repenting? Or have you built it upon something else, something very flippant, something that will eventually be exposed? My prayer is that the good news of Jesus would be so revealed to you and me that we would see that our hope is found on nothing less than Jesus. The good news of Jesus coming to establish his people to live all of life, a life of love in response to his love. Let's pray together. Um, Jesus, thank you that you've brought us to this moment that we're in right now. Um, you know, I was really tempted and tried to find a way in my preparation to end on a super high note where we all feel good and it's right now we're going into the Advent Christmas season. Lord, you ended your sermon with great was the fall of it. Um, Lord, I can't help but to wonder whether or not we need to be woken up by um, harsh, sobering truth and reality. Lord, that our lives, our hope, our faith will absolutely come crashing down if it's built upon anything other than you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, you would minister to us right now in this moment. I pray that every single one of us would be at a point where we would consider, have I just named the name of Jesus with my lips, but it hasn't truly transformed my heart? Lord, bring us to a place of authentically evaluating. Lord, anyone else who's here, Lord, I pray that they would acknowledge that their house is built upon a flimsy foundation if it's not found in you. So Lord, I pray that we would, we would soberly respond right now and that you would lead us to a point of worshipful, joyful, hopeful um, uh, celebration. But Lord, that we wouldn't skip over the sober reality that life is found only in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.